Congratulations to Paul Swan, host of The Drive, for capturing the prestigious 2024 West Virginia Broadcasters Association Excellence in Broadcasting Award for Best Talk Show. Tune in to Paul during your drive home weekdays at 5.06 p.m. on ESPN 94.1 and AM 9.30. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 9.30 present The Drive. Welcome into the Friday edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're here until 6 o'clock. Put your text in this hour, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. we got basketball action to talk about coming up tomorrow. The Thundering Herd, take it on Texas State. Nate Martin returning to where he played several years of college basketball. The transfer coming into Marshall this year. An immediate impact player, a standout for the Thundering Herd, a double-double machine. And he's a guy that Obina Anicilli Killen is hoping that can get the first shot of the game. Said that in his post-game comments a couple nights ago, that the plan is to get Nate Martin set up, pick and roll, three-point shot. Start the game. He said he was going to talk to Dan D'Antoni. I don't know if he's had those conversations. We'll find out. That's coming up on Saturday. We'll go on the air at 4 o'clock right here on ESPN. 94.1 and AM 930. And, of course, we will have plenty of time to talk about the game afterwards with our post-game coverage as well. And that will immediately follow the game. So I'm looking forward to hearing from all of you. Speaking of hearing from all of you, we've got the text line open. It's 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Texts are coming in. We had a, a texter yesterday talk about Cam Henderson. Said that Cam Henderson would have made players walk home if they would have told them they were opting out opting out of a bowl game, opting out. And the new one today is, what was Sonny Randall have done? So I saw that, and I, I thought, okay, i got to start out with that. Because Cam Henderson, he was a guy that, for a lot of us, he's just a historical figure. He's not tangible for a lot of us because, well, we didn't know him. We know of him. We know what he did. We know why things are named for him. We know the legacy of Cam Henderson. We don't know Cam Henderson We don't know him the way we know the current crop of coaches or past coaches. I mean, a lot of us, for Marshall basketball, Rick Huckabee, you know of him. For some of us, he's tangible. We know Rick Huckabee. We knew Rick Huckabee. He was part of our lives. For a lot of people, Cam Henderson, not tangible, not relevant in this standpoint that you know about him because you were around when he was a coach at Marshall University. So I can't imagine... I don't know what Cam Henderson would have done if a player would have came to him and said, look, I'm opting out. But I might have a guess about Sonny Randall because Sonny Randall to me was, he was more of a commentator than he was a coach. Yeah, I was around when he was the coach of the Marshall Thundering Herd, but I remember him more as a commentator, more of a broadcaster. And of course, he worked several years with not only Keith Morehouse, he also worked with Dave Weekly. I think Mark Martin was on some of those broadcasts as well. And he was the guy that would give you all the colorful commentary of the game. I would love to know what Sonny Randall would think about the transfer portal. Absolutely. I would love to know what he has to say 
about that? That's that's a good question. So I'll throw that to you. And we'll keep the text line open, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. To me, Sonny Randall was like, I'm not saying he was comic relief, but, boy, he was quotable. Dive, speed option, little catchphrases here and there. You know, he was always, uh, always personable. I was, I was someone who enjoyed listening to him on the game. The game doesn't have the same flavor to me. It doesn't matter how good you are as a broadcaster. The basketball games have sort of their own flavor to them, but football with Sonny Randall. I don't think you can get that flavor ever again. So, you know, that's an interesting question. That's an interesting take as far as, you know, what would current coaches do in a transfer portal era? Well, you know, they they work it. What would previous coaches have done in response to the transfer portal era? And I'm curious to see how that breaks down. All right. We'll get your text in. We'll do that. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. What would Rick Huckabee have done in a transfer portal era for Marshall basketball? Just throw it that way. What would Rick Huckabee do? For those of you that remember Huck's Herd back in that day, what would have some of the other Marshall coaches done in the transfer portal? Could you imagine Marshall basketball in the 80s in a transfer portal? Would it have been better or would it have been... Imagine this, Skip Henderson, John Taft leaving because somebody took note of them and a better offer came and they left Marshall. I mean, what would the 80s have looked like? And I mentioned those two because they're two of the most prominent basketball players of all time in Marshall basketball history. I know Tavion Kinsey, John Elmore, they enjoy the scoring success, but for a lot of Herd fans in the day, it was John Taft, it was Skip Henderson. And for me, you, know, you look at games played and you look at how many points players scored, and Skip Henderson still, you know, pound the pound, probably the guy in, in any argument. You know, he's up there. If he's not the guy, he's definitely in that argument as far as greatest of all time or one of the greatest of all time. Imagine if the transfer portal was a thing and Rick Huckabee had to build a team back, build a team back because the transfer portal took away what he had built. Or could he have built a better team? And what would name, image, and likeness look like as well? I'm kind of curious about that now. I, I, I'm going to think about that this weekend. So good point, good question. I like that. Got a couple people asking why Cam Crawford's uh, in, in the uh, doghouse. And I think it's just because Dan wants him to play one way and he's got to get that from him in practice and he's got to see some of that before he can give him more time. Dan doesn't like the individualistic style of play. So if you're in the system, you're working his system the way he wants it, you know, he's going to make sure that you have some time to play. I kind of my guess on that anyway. Thundering Herd's 2-0 and right now, though. So whatever they're doing, it's right. 2-0 and in league play. Got a chance to be 3-0 and in league play coming up on Saturday as the Herd take it on Texas State. Texture says, I think Rick Huckabee would have worked the portal really well. Many years ago, I got to spend time with him. He was very funny, and I see why he recruited really good. I agree. I think Rick Huckabee was personable. I think Rick Huckabee would have been able to take advantage of the transfer portal. He would have been able to take advantage of name, image, and likeness. I mean, we're talking about a different time, though. The 80s, Marshall basketball was starting to become really big. It was a 
prominent program in the Southern Conference. It was contending for Southern Conference championships. Marshall fans were traveling really well heading down to the Southern Conference tournament. Remember the whole $2 bill thing? I mean, that was a big deal. I was like, I was a youngster there. It was like the $2 bill thing was, was awesome to show the economic impact that Marshall fans were making at the Southern Conference tournament. And I got to go to the Southern Conference tournament. It was one of my favorite times as a, uh, as a student at Marshall University. Going to North Carolina, going to Asheville, going to see the herd play in the Southern Conference. When, you know, Marshall basketball was still pretty good at the time. It hadn't, hadn't faded truly just yet, but it was still pretty good at the time going into the Southern Conference tournament later on. This was a little bit after the Hux Herd era. But still, I was definitely grateful for that opportunity. And you know, I don't know if some of the other conference tournaments that Marshall's been in, I don't know if going to see Marshall at the Star in Frisco would have been the same level of excitement for me as it was to go see the Herd in the Southern Conference tournament. From our text line, Sonny Randall was our local equal to John Madden. Boom. I like that. I added the boom. That's a good point. He was because he was a – here's the thing about Sonny Randall. Sonny Randall came in, and he tried his best. You can't say that he wasn't trying. You can't say that he wasn't passionate for the job, and you can't say that you know he was just trying to phone it in and he's just taking a paycheck here. He tried. It was very difficult to get Marshall football going. And you might think that, okay, here's a coach with not a spectacular record, how did he become so beloved? And it's because I think people realized later on the Marshall job was a long haul. This was a long project to get Marshall football back to being relevant, being competitive, being able to field a team that can go out and win consistently. It was a tough job. It was hard. You didn't have a transfer portal then. Marshall didn't have the resources then. You didn't have a brand-new football stadium open up and they kind of led the way and Sonny Randall became beloved didn't matter what his coaching record was the fact that you know uh, that was our guy I wish his record was like John Madden's but he definitely he could relay what you could see on the field he could relay it to he could tell you about it and he was just hilarious it was absolutely hilarious I wish I had the time somebody's got to have the time just to go in and, and splice all of his sayings and quotes he was definitely someone else that you don't see that I don't think you see that too often you're not going to see too many types like Sonny Randall on a, on a game broadcast these days I mean you might get the former athlete you get might the former coach you might get that you know, somebody but Sonny Randall was definitely a unique voice and character and it, it didn't it didn't feel like he was a clown on the air he was just colorful he was colorful descriptive and you know what? I look forward to it. I look forward to it every single time. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Good start to the show. We'll do more of that. Text lines open. More coming up. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to our Friday edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Our text line this hour is 5-304-396-TALK, 
304-396-8255. That's our text line to be a part of today's edition of the show. 304-396-TALK. We've got some good news to tell you today about Marshall football. A couple of notes. Eli Neal accepting his invitation to the 2024 Hula Bowl. He's joining offensive lineman Dalton Tucker. So a couple of herd players will be featured in the Hula Bowl. So if you haven't got your football fix just yet quenched, of course, we've got the national championship coming up on Monday. We'll have that right here on ESPN 94.1 at AM 930. We've got the Hula Bowl coming up. And it's going to have Eli Neal and Dalton Tucker. So if you're looking forward to seeing that, uh, just know that um, these are really prestigious things for these players to be a part of. You know, it means somebody's interested, and that's a good thing. I'd like to see some herd players uh, get some attention in the NFL. And speaking of herd players that people are interested in, uh, this one I hate to see this one happen, but I get it. Jaden Harrison had declared himself eligible for the transfer portal. He's put himself in the transfer portal. And the All-American for the Thundering Herd was a a dangerous kickoff returner. He was a dangerous person on special teams. I would like to have seen more from him in the offense. I I just – I hate to see that go. I just hate to see that potential leave. But, again, you you get to that point and maybe a better opportunity for you. And keep in mind, I – I know it's hard to, to stomach, but college players today, they do have loyalty, but at the same time, they're going to look for the best opportunity for them. And with the system that's in place now, if they're not looking for the best opportunity, are they really doing themselves a, um, a service? So if, if better opportunities come open, they're going to look at that. And, of course, you got some guys like um, an Owen Porter – you know, he poured his heart into Marshall University, and he loved Marshall, and he wanted to finish his career at Marshall, and you have to commend him for that. And for other players, they see different opportunities available to him. And I know Coach Huff a few weeks ago went over some of those reasons. Some players, it's financial. Some players, you know, it's an opportunity they can't pass up. I know it's difficult because, one, you can't really build a bond with your football team. Your football team changes every year. Now, it's going to change every year because you have graduation and you have a lot of turnover because that's the nature. You always lose players, but you're losing players on a yearly basis and, and large numbers. You really can't form now, I think, some bonds. You can't say, how many more years will we have players that stay the full time with one school? How many more years? It might become a rarity to see a player stick around the full time. And some of it's some of it's opportunity on the football field. Some of it's opportunity elsewhere. Name, image, and likeness is going to play a part. And I hate to see a lot of these kids put themselves in the portal and it doesn't pan out. And some of them have really legitimate reasons and some of them, they just look for better opportunities. They're trying to put themselves in a better position. They have NFL aspirations. They think if they're at a, a more prominent school, Maybe they can realize those aspirations a little bit better. Sometimes they think they're in a bad system. They made a mistake, and they're going to leave. They can rectify that. They made a mistake. They didn't get the right fit. They're going to leave. And so it's important that these players absolutely make the most of their of their opportunities. And at the same time, it's absolutely imperative that athletic departments make the most of the transfer portal. Always have to be looking in the transfer portal. You can always look at the transfer portal and 
If you made a mistake as a player, you get an opportunity to leave. And if you have an opportunity to rebuild your team, you can do so quickly. And so I think that's where a lot of frustration is going to be because what's the metric now for a program? If you're the head coach, you're coming in, you're trying to rebuild the program, rebuild the culture. What's the metric now? Because you could put together a really good team, be successful, and then that team leaves. A lot of the players, a lot of the components leave, and you don't really get the benefit of the program enjoying those players for several years. can have a tremendous season, and then all those components can leave. Not graduate, just leave. And so you got to restart the cycle again. So what's the metric now? You, you had, okay, we, we started to develop a program here. You know, we're bringing in talent to replenish the talent we, we lost. We're developing talent. We've got talent in the wings. We've got players that are playing now. We've got continuity. That's a big one for me, continuity. So what happens now? you got a player that's an All-American? Great. Well, I'd love to see more of him in the offense. He's going to be elsewhere now. So that's the difficult thing here. The fact that players you start with don't necessarily finish with you. And so I think that's a big component as well. You're not really developing that connection with your team. I know that's been an issue. You know, is, uh, is, is it broken at Marshall? I know that was an issue as far as a column that the Chuck Landon wrote. He wrote for different reasons as well. But I think part of it's the transfer portal. For what it's doing to college football, it's good and it's bad. It gives players opportunities, but it also, at what cost? Because you can't build it. And now, and on the flip side is if you've got a bad team, you can fix it if you're good. If you know how to work it, if you get lucky and you're good and you do the right things, you can fix a bad team. You come in, you make advantage, you know, make, make the program better. You can get rid of, I hate to say that, but you get rid of players that just don't fit your, your program and you can bring players in that fits your program, what you're trying to do, and you can build something. And so it's it's all individual base these days. Marshall could have won the Sunbelt Conference Championship, went to a bowl, won that, and you could have the team break up. Transfer portal, let's call it free agency, is what it's more like. Speaking of players that were around a while, I saw this today, thanks to a couple people on X, formerly known as Twitter, the XFL dispersal draft, you got the the new merger between the USFL and the XFL, and the San Antonio Brahmas pick up offensive lineman Alex Millett. I always enjoyed Alex Millett when he was here at Marshall, so he gets picked up by the San Antonio Brahmas. Of course, the reference there, if you're not a professional wrestling fan, stems from the fact that Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his partner, they had the XFL now. They they bought the XFL. COVID did the XFL a disservice, like it did a lot of things, and they were able to pick it up, and they're trying to bring the league back. Now they're merging with the USFL, working together. I'm interested to see what the football product looks like because I thought the XFL was the better product. And I think maybe with two leagues combined working together, you're going to have maybe more of a cohesive product. It might generate more traction to be honest with you instead of having two competing spring leagues having one unified league which i think if this does if this is going to work i don't think you're ever going to get to the point where it was a legitimate competitor to the nfl like the usfl was but at the same time 
I think you got something here because there are times where we're just hungry for uh, we're hungry for football. Speaking of hungry for hockey, that's me. I got I got to take a, I have to take the detour. I'm sorry, I have to because honestly, it's a pretty big deal. The 2024 World Juniors gold medal game, the USA beat Sweden six to two. It's the sixth World Juniors gold medal for the USA. Last time they won it was in 2021. It was a chippy game. little history. If you follow juniors hockey, you follow the, the up-and-comers, there's, it's been chippy with the programs. If you missed it, you're actually going to watch it. It's on NHL Network. They showed it live. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I had to go and find the score. So I'm looking forward to that tonight. That's just going to occupy my time, but I had to mention that. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. It's a Friday. We're having fun. Thanks for being a part of it here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Working Man Store in Huntington. Check out the biggest inventory of scrubs in West Virginia, featuring brands such as Healing Hands, Dickies, Cherokee, and Med Couture at the best price. Working Man Store has one of the largest selections of big and tall shirts, jackets, and jeans in the area. Working Man Store is the king of blue jeans with Levi's, Dickies, Carhartt Lee, and Wranglers in sizes up to 72. And Working Man Store has the best selection of men's work boots and casual shoes anywhere at the best price. Working Man Store, open every day at 145th avenue huntington this is the drive with paul swan on espn 94.1 fm and am 930 welcome back to our friday edition i'm your host paul swan thanks for being a part of it today here on espn 94.1 and am 930 our text line is open 304-396-TALK 304-396-8255 texter says hello paul speaking of hockey what caused the huntington blizzard to shut down i won't take the entire show we can have this conversation for a long time, but I'm not going to do that. But I will touch on it. First of all, I think poor management led to a lot of the problems. And that's not taking shots at anyone. I think the ownership group that came in toward the end, they were coming in more with the intent to give it a go and then get that team out of there and spin it off somewhere else. But I think the novelty wore off a little bit. I mean, there were some good crowds in the beginning. And I think ownership really cared. Morris Jeffries and his ownership group, I think they cared. And the people that ran the franchise really cared. And I know it was tough going. I mean, you're competing. What were you competing against? If you're a fan of sports in general, you might have been going to the Marshall basketball games. Marshall competed sometimes on the same night. There were times where Marshall basketball games going on at the same time as Huntington Blizzard hockey game. I mean, that's just going to happen. You're going to have that. You're going to have conflicts. You're, you're going to have events going on in Huntington the same time as Marshall basketball. You know, the truth of the matter is, you know, Marshall doesn't have a lock on the calendar dates. But for a lot of people, they come to the hockey games and they see one style of hockey. And then later on, you brought better coaches in. You brought a more true to, true to hockey style and I don't think that some people were used to that because I'm going to be honest with you. That first season, Huntington Blizzard Hockey, led by the head coach Bob Battleship Kelly. I mean, it was a beer league. I'm sorry. And I love the Huntington Blizzard, and I love everything about it. But at the same time, it was a beer league. It was a beer league game. I mean, there was a lot of lot of penalty box action. But I think you got it to the point where it was actually 
pretty good on the ice, pretty good product, but it was hard to draw people. And also, I think that the uh, the first ownership group made a mistake. They, I could get tickets all the time that first season, and then next thing you know, well, okay, now now we're gonna we're gonna have to have you pay for some of those tickets. Wait a minute, you were giving it to me. I mean, th- again, this is just my take on it. There are other people who are in. Yeah, and closer proximity to the final days than I I was, and they might have something that contradicts what I say, and I would defer to them because they were there. But you know, I really think that the last ownership group wanted that franchise out, took it to Texas, and it was it was difficult. It was difficult to to run a minor league hockey team because it costs money. It costs money, especially with ice. You gotta get the right dates from the arena. You gotta, you gotta maintain the ice. I mean, it's not, it's not easy running a sports franchise. Period. You gotta play the pay. You, you gotta, you gotta pay the players. You, you gotta pay everybody. You want to win. I think if it happened today, it'd have to happen with a lot of the people that were still involved with it then, and and bring some different folks in as well. Formulate. A strong business plan. I think there might be interest for it, but it's never going to be the predominant thing. It's not going to be the the main attraction because you got Marshall basketball going on at the same time. Travel is going to be a lot different now. If you get into the East Coast Hockey League, it's not even the East Coast Hockey League. It's the ECHL. They're all over the place. I mean, they're not based just in the East Coast now, so travel is going to be a lot different. It's it's like. It's like running a college sports team. The difference is you got different sources of revenue here. But I honestly believe that the last ownership group didn't really want it to go. They they wanted it to they wanted it to fail. So and this is my personal opinion. They wanted it to fail so they could move it out. And that's a shame because there were a lot of good things positive about having a hockey franchise in Huntington, minor league hockey franchise. And, of course, I'll tell you how important it was. Several several of the players came back when we had that get-together for Jim Birmingham because Birmingham, who passed away, loved Huntington. Loved Huntington. Loved his time here. And there are a lot of people who uh, went on from Huntington Blizzard Hockey to do well, including the coaching ranks. I'll tell you this right now. If you watch Colorado Avalanche hockey, you're watching a coach who played at the Huntington Blizzard years ago with the Huntington Blizzard. So I think there are a lot of reasons there, to be honest with you. I don't want to spend too much time on it because, well, I could go forever. And honestly, yeah, it was um, it was a tough time, I think, for for a lot of us who put our hearts into that because you know it was something that we were all passionate about. I mean, imagine – Imagine if somebody tomorrow said, we're taking Marshall football away. How do you get over that? Not just saying they're taking it away, took it away. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. Thankfully, when those conversations were were had, a lot of people were able to stand up and go, no. But we're talking about a sport at a university. The university's not going anywhere. Minor league hockey, professional sports, they move around. I'd love to see minor league hockey return to Huntington. I would love it. Absolutely. And a college hockey is not going to be a thing. I don't think that's happening. But I would love to see hockey return to the Tri-State. You know, it'd be something I would definitely support. And I'm sure a lot of people would as well. I just don't know how profitable it would be. It would be fun, though. Absolutely. You know, the closest hockey we've got is like Columbus. You can go to Cincinnati. 
minor league hockey there. The Cyclones. Wheeling still has a team. It makes sense. It's a northern city in the state of West Virginia. So it makes sense. Successful, by the way. They're still going. They've been going and going and going and going. They were there before the Huntington Blizzard came, and they're still going. And that's that's cool. That's absolutely cool. So you know, definitely a, a big supporter of Wheeling and their franchise. Of course, I'm still a fan of the Cincinnati Cyclones, so that might not play well in the northern half of the state. Sorry. I've been a Cyclones fan for a long time. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. More coming up. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're keeping our text line open for the rest of the show, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. This is not how I expected the show to go today, but it's been good. Don't forget, we got basketball coming up tomorrow, the Thundering Herd in action, taking on Texas State. We're going to go on the air at 4 o'clock. I'll be with you then. Herd looking to get the victory. I'm hoping that the Thundering Herd can make it 3-0 in conference play. And one of the big reasons why the Thundering Herd's been successful as of late is because I think the improved play of not only Obina and Achille Killen, but the team. And something that has really been worked on for a long time now is Obina's ability to become more of a threat from the three-point line. And he talked about that yesterday, a couple days ago, actually. He talked about how his three-point shot, it's improving. It didn't necessarily need to be there a couple seasons ago, but now it's a definite weapon in his arsenal. And he talked about, you know, the development of it. To be honest, like, I didn't need to make threes to win games. That wasn't – I mean, it would have helped the team. But, I mean, we had Cam Kerfman. We had KB McKenzie. We had uh, Andy Taylor and other, other guys. Like, you know, I didn't – it wasn't in my mind to shoot the three. But it was just something that, that I, you know – that I worked on, you know, that was the my number one objective, you know what I mean? Make good enough shots so that they're going to come up on me so that I can drive. You know, I mean, shooting is not actually like my number one option, you know. I'm looking to drive. So I, I think my mindset changed and um, and the, the mindset is just attack. So I think, I, I think that working just helped me make shots. So now Obina's opened up his arsenal a little bit more. And something else he talked about was the fact that the team now, we're seeing some success. We're seeing the team start to gel and play more of that Dan D'Antoni style of basketball, play that Marshall way. And Obina talked about that. To be honest, like, I didn't need to make three. We're going back playing the whole Marshall way. I think, like, when we started in the beginning of the season, I think we was trying something new and something different that was just making the ball stagnant. Now you can tell that like we're going back to the old Marshall way, pick and roll. You know, when you if you wide open, shoot it, drive, and all that. I just think that like the, the guys there are getting accumulated because that was what I was telling people uh, a lot of times when we started. You know, we we had what like six, seven new guys. You know, we had six, seven new guys that didn't know how to play the Marshall way. You know, all they needed was time. All we needed was time, practice with each other, and all that. And you can see, and and we, we we're still getting better. You know, what I mean, we're just gonna keep getting better and better and better to uh, conference now, you know, all we just have to do is uh, take out some few mistakes and make shots and make shots and we'll be all right. I mean, it is, um, it's good 
to win 2-0, you know what I mean? But like I said, like I always say, losing is contagious, but so is winning. I've heard that before. Losing is contagious, so is winning. That's Obina Anichilli killing the herd in action, taking on Texas State. Five o'clock tip, we got it for you. Four o'clock's air, 93.7 at all, and ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Run down some games as well. Number six, Kentucky at Florida. That's coming up Saturday, 11 a.m. airtime on 92.7 and 98.5 The Planet and Cat Sports 93.3 and 1340. Bengals in action as well. Taking on the Browns Sunday, 11.30 is airtime. Listen to it. Final game of the regular season for the Bengals. ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Cat Sports 93.3 and 13.40. Steelers are taking on the Colts on Saturday. I'm rooting for the Colts. Sorry. I'm taking the Colts and I'm taking the Bengals on Sunday in a game that the Browns don't need to win. So they're not going to care. The Bengals, on the other hand, at least they're going to show up. I appreciate that. And some interesting stuff with the Bengals. We're going to find out soon what the Bengals are going to look like in the next year and the year after that because you know, there were some comments and questions um, to Jamar Chase about you know what his deal is going to look like when he resigns, if he resigns with the Bengals, and talking about T. Higgins and, you know, depending on how much he gets, how much T. Higgins will get. Because it looks like Jamar Chase is looking for that payday, and of course you pay him. And as much as I like T. Higgins, do you do you pay T. Higgins? T. Higgins has had injury issues. T. Higgins, when he's healthy, I think he's an asset to your team, but T. Higgins has got some issues. I don't know if he's on the field consistently enough for me to spend the money on him, or I bring someone else in, you know, either through the draft, free agency, I don't know. I don't know if I take a hit on T. Higgins just because – I don't know if T. Higgins is going to be out there. Jamar Chase, I take that hit. You pay him, you pay Burrow. Hopefully the Bengals will get it together. This will just be a bump in the road, and the Bengals will be a contender again, hopefully, for the Super Bowl. This might have been, if they can stay healthy, this could have been a year they made a run because the Chiefs aren't exactly full strength. They're not the Chiefs of a couple of years ago. Hopefully. Hopefully the Bengals can get it together. You know, the good news is, they're not going to finish low, but they're not going to finish high, so it should be a decent draft pick. They should get a decent draft pick. That's the only good thing I'll take from this. They should decently draft. Get some, hopefully, get some offensive line help. That's what I'm looking for. Keep Joe Burrow healthy because he was under siege for a while as well, don't you think? A little too much for what you're paying him. I'd make sure I'd have all the protection in the world for him. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to be back with you tomorrow. We'll talk Marshall basketball then. Let's hit the text line before we're done. Texter says, spot on with the Sonny Randall analogy being our John Madden equivalent in announcing. Yeah, you don't you don't get another one of him. You don't. He was something else. Now if you listen to announcers today. And let's be honest, we've got some good ones calling the games for the Thundering Herd. There's a different flavor compared to when it was with Sonny Randall being on the broadcast crew. Some people couldn't stand him. Other people loved him. I fall in the camp that I love listening to him. I could go for a dive or speed option right now. That's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in. Give it to Chris Parker. 
Retransmitting in Glorious FM on 94.1 W227BS Huntington. This is 930 WRVC Huntington, celebrating 100 years of broadcasting.